Good morning, Fockers. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, May 12th. I guess we dodged a Friday the 13th there by a day. We are here live. It is a free-for-all kind of day. Got Joel and Henry joining me today. We haven't heard from John. John's fallen off the uh, planet here lately. We are live. Phone lines are open. Uh, We are doing two hours today or until we run out of calls, whichever comes first. So jump in early. This show usually gets really busy with calls. I can't do any longer than two hours today because I've got a lot of other stuff going on. Scheduled calls. So two hours should be plenty of time, but make sure you jump in early. Uh, We'll try not to waste too much time. If the calls start coming in, we'll get right to them. So jump in and join us. 855 nine five zero three eight three five we are going to uh oh morgan says she's not hearing me is anybody hearing me that's always a weird question to ask because if they're not hearing me it doesn't do much good to ask the question is anybody hearing me uh i don't see any reason on my board Looks like we're good on the app. Morgan, you may have to log out of the call system then and log back in. You may not be hearing me on the call system, Uh, which is something I've been working. We've all been working on the technology. The programmers are working hard on the broadcast app. I'm playing around with other technologies. And it's possible Twitter spaces might turn out to be a short-term bridge uh, and then Twitter Spaces looks like it may become a an everyday part of our show. Now, we've talked about the fact that we will not be dependent on anybody else's platform to do the show. So when I say Twitter may be a short-term solution, a bridge that could help us with some of our guest volume issues, I have some ideas on how I can make Spaces possibly work for us. Uh, I've got some weird audio issues that I've got to be able to tie that into the board all at the same time, but I think I have some ideas on how I might be able to do it. And then ultimately, we would continue to broadcast on Twitter. That's going to be a regular thing. We will. That doesn't mean we need Twitter. We will be posting our shows on really just about everywhere. The first hour of every day will probably be getting posted to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. We're going to blast it out everywhere. That's how we're going to get new tribe members. That doesn't mean we're dependent on any of those platforms. If any of those platforms banned us, deleted us, went away, whatever it is, we would still be on all the other platforms. If all of the platforms banned us and deleted us, we'd still be live on our app. That is the goal. But again, we will be using those other platforms. We just won't be dependent on them. But maybe short term, I have an idea where Twitter might be able to fix some issues we've been having. All right. So uh, let's bring in. I don't know why I'm talking without having two people talk over me this morning. So good morning, guys. (laughs) Good morning. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Good. So here's my Twitter idea. Um, I did two Twitter spaces this week. They were really good. The technology was awesome. Everybody's sound was really good. If we had a technical issue at all, I, I pretty quickly identified the only time there was a technical issue was it was a user's internet. It wasn't everybody. So if somebody was breaking up, we were pretty able, pretty quickly to able to figure out 
they were in a, a bad area, but it didn't affect everybody else. So I may have some ideas, but imagine that because now we'll be able to put 10 people live all at the same time. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we actually that, had, uh, that, that's a, that's a real good thing. Yeah. Uh, well here, here was one of my first thoughts for this show. If I can make this whole Twitter spaces thing work, we'd still be live on the app and none of that would change. We'd just be adding kind of this new audience and this new way of bringing in guests. Um, so far it's working really well. Uh, but for this show, I thought, what if we, um, <clears throat> maybe not every week, but what if occasionally, we bring in, oh, what are we going to call them? I'm going to call them like the fuel mileage superstars. You know, we mention guys every now and then, and every time I start talking about it, I know I'm leaving people out. But there are a lot of guys in that nine plus, and, and women, I'm not leaving anybody out, in the nine plus mile per gallon group that are excellent. I mean, if we got 10 of us all together, that should be fun. Well, yeah, I, wrong I, I think that, nobody would talk over one another. Right. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think that would be a, a good idea, and I think it would be important simply because there's a lot of different things going on in the world of fuel efficiency and heavy-duty trucks right now, and a lot of the things that we've done traditionally, they just don't apply to some of the new technology. Right. And it would be really good if we could get everybody together as a group and start talking about these things because there is there's a lot of things that are floating around out there. And, and one of the things that I'll really start to push back on, and, and I know we've talked about it on this show forever, is gearing a truck to run indirect, which is great for old equipment, but you absolutely do not want to do that on the newer stuff. And there are very specific reasons why. And, you know, I'd love to get into detail on, on why that's probably not the best idea to be, to be doing with a, a new emissions truck is gearing to run indirect. Right. Uh, we have overdrive for a reason, and it's a very good reason. <laughs> and, you know, and we, it needs to be put out there why why we would do that. Right. So one of the things that that is different about that, like you said, it's different just because some of our old strategies are just not working at all. But if you think about most of our setups when we were running indirect. We almost always used 264s, no matter what the engine was. We could do it with a Cat. We could do it with a Cummins. We could do it with an N14. We could do it with a Series 60. Uh, we 264 was just an easy ratio that, that was almost always an improvement over something else. But now when you talk about specking these trucks with these different proprietary engines and transmissions, we're going to be all over the board. Every truck almost Correct. is different, and, and that's why it's going to be really confusing for people. And you're right. I think it's something we need to be talking about a lot. Yeah, you're, you're if, absolutely you are, if, you are, if you are doing that, if you're like 264 with a .78 overdrive, you're getting into the ballpark. And if you're direct drive, you can get away with a 216. It's just there's some things that are more optimal than that now. Yeah, that's what I mean. We You can take each truck now, each proprietary system of engines and transmissions and really tweak them down to the optimal for each one, which is great, but it's also very confusing. There's a lot there. Correct. 
And, and I think one of the big things that has thrown a lot of people, and, and you guys touched on this on the Power Hour, uh, I think it was, was it this week? I think, I think so, where yeah. you talked about the newer, the newer, the newer transmissions and what, what the differences are, and they're significant. And if, if you're not aware of what's going on internally, and you continue to base your assumptions on the old manual transmissions, you're probably not going to be optimal right, at all. Right. And it would be great if we get time where we can go over this and kind of break it down, what the differences are and, and what's going on, and uh, kind of kind of lay that out there in general terms for people to apply to new trucks and and um, how that impacts emission system and piston speed and all the things we we always talk about. We've we've got to connect those pieces of the puzzle and. And it used to be non-emission engines were very forgiving. Uh, you could talk in very general terms. And like you said, it would apply across the board for the most part. That's not the case anymore. In fact, it, it is almost 180 degrees. Now, if you hear us talking about specking one setup, one truck and, and proprietary system, and you think, oh, I'm going to do that with this truck, you could end up with a truck that's worse than anything the dealer has sitting on a lot. Oh, oh, you could make Volvo. You could make Volvo a mess. Struggled of it. with that for <laughs> yes, Volvo struggled with that for years, where they would bring on a new salesperson that maybe came from a Peterbilt oh, yeah. dealership, and he's going to spec the truck like they spec a, a Pete <laughs> with a Cummins in it, and he does it. So, and it, it 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 turns out to be the absolute worst possible combination right. coming right off the dealers. And, and you know, they walked into it with eyes wide open. They just didn't understand what they were doing. And, and um, so, yeah, it's very, very important. You know, it used to, uh, everybody used to say, you know, trucking's not rocket science. You know what? Uh, it's, it's, it's starting to get there. Nowadays. I know you're and, right. Yes. Yeah, sure, you, you, sure you better know what the hell you're talking about. I remember Kevin back when the DT 12 automated manual come out and I was, at a dealer where I knew the salesperson, and he was pretty excited. He had sold his first DT12s. And I was looking at his specs, and DT12, like the Volvo, has a .78 overdrive, and he had put them together with 342 gears. Oh, I said, oh, oh, man. You know, what are they hey, going to do, 4550? Hey, He's should... like, no, I always did 342s. I said, well, always would have been fine with the old yeah. engines and a .73 overdrive, but... It... Not with a point seven eight. You should have looked at him and said, "Hey, nineteen ninety six wants their gear ratios back." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, exactly. there you go. And, and by the same token, when you look at the manufacturers, it, it's obvious that we've got three manufacturers that have really embraced the downsped concept, and that's Volvo Freightliner and what, with what Navistar's coming out with. They very much embraced the downsped concept. Packard and Cummins, on the other hand, not so much. They're they're very gun shy of this, and a lot of this deals with what you like to talk about, Kevin, is the architecture of their engine and the piston speed and the length of the connecting rod and a lot of things that we've talked about in the past. And you know, pushing them guys to put these Volvo Freightliner International gear ratios into a Packard or Cummins setup, you're you're not going to be a happy camper and if you re-ratio this on your own, most of their transmission logics and algorithms are not going to accommodate those ratios in their automated manuals. 
Well, so you got to be aware of that. That's a factor gonna, we've never talked yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah, yes, and and trust me, I, I've worked with engineering on this for years, getting algorithms and and whatnot correct for specific ratios. So it's not just a matter of oh, the truck's on the lot with a two forty seven. I'm going to throw a a two one six in it and go. It, it's not going to work that way. Yeah. Good point. And, and like I said, we've never even touched on that topic. There's a, there's a lot to that. Um, and, you know, I'd love to maybe take each component piece by piece and, and just, you know, hey. go over, here's what we have today, here's what we've had so, in the past, and just go over the, the differences of it and so, so you really understand. I think one of the most startling things, if, you, if you're not aware of, what goes into a single countershaft transmission and why there's potentially efficiency gains versus the old uh, manual transmissions, it'll be a real eye-opener. You know, uh, why, there's, uh, it is completely different funny, under there. You know, we have What's a... funny, Joel, speaking of that, with going from a twin countershaft to a single countershaft, one, you're turning less parts, but, you know, twin countershaft, it just sounds so rough and tough. It's only purpose in life was to make the transmission short enough to be in a cracker box cab or with a short wheelbase and a tandem axle. That that hasn't been a problem for quite some time now. <laughs> yeah, and, and, good and point. It's only purpose in life was uh, to keep good. the transmission short. Get, uh, a, a single countershaft transmission is a lot longer. You know, this is a, a good point about you know, people who don't understand history are failed to repeat it over and over and over. And this is a good case of that, not understanding why they did something and then realizing we don't need to do that anymore. Well, yeah, you know, back, back in the day, that, you, you, you bring up a subject because last night on the one forum, I got accused of having a sponsor. I've had a sponsor for years, but to me, that's one of the beauties of, and, and Joel does too, of us having sponsors is that we get that information and the feedback back and forth with them that you're able to talk about this stuff. Otherwise you'd be just so, pulling so, stuff out of your Henry, mind in. Henry, the next time somebody yeah. comes after you with the whole sponsor thing, because believe me, I've heard this so many times. It's so here's my response to that. And if nothing else, it confuses them enough that they shut up for a while. Uh, people say, you say that because you're paid to say that. My response is, no, I'll show you my model. I'll show you all of the communication with every company I've ever had. That product is sponsoring me because I believe in the product. It's a 180 degree difference. Well, yeah. I will not take money from anybody for anything that I don't absolutely love and use myself. So, I can tell you, I can tell you that I have sat in a room full of Volvo engineers and it has gotten damn heated. We are going at each other. And yes. I mean, it has gotten really heated and, you know, look, these guys, every one of those engineers in that particular room was way smarter than I'll ever be. Yes. But they're in a cubicle all day long <laughs> and they're not out here. Their ass is not in the seat. Right. And so sometimes they don't recognize. And sometimes you've got to you, you've got to push. You've got to push. And, yeah. you know, a, a guy that can give an engineering staff feedback is worth their weight in gold. Yes. If you can talk the engineer's language and talk the truck driver's language, 
you are worth your weight in gold to that OEM. There is no doubt. Henry's worth his weight in gold to Freightliner. They would not be in the position that they are in without him. The same goes with all the stuff that we've got happening at Volvo. They would have never gone down the path that they're going with iTorque if I hadn't been pushing them for the last six or seven years on That's this. right. And yep. I'll, t- I'll tell you, what, when I got into that first meeting, I was very close to one of the senior engineers who kind of took me under his wing. And we went into this first meeting and he said, he looked at me and he said, you know, this stuff better than everybody in that room. He goes, do not back down no matter what. Good advice. Oh, what the hell? You know, I'm not going to let it fly when I'm in there. And I didn't. And I'll tell you, man, I I thought for sure they were going to just can me, throw me the hell out and say never come back. And it was just the opposite. (laughs) No, the the guy that I got the argument with, the guy that I got the argument with has since moved on and he's working over at Allison. And we still communicate, not yeah. on a daily basis, right. but we communicate quite often. And and uh, it it ended up it ended up all good. But so, um, you know, I, I'm a truck driver. I'm not a college educated engineer. And when you walk into a room full of engineers that are just peppering you with woo. questions to see what you know, you know what I mean? It, it I, yeah. I mean, I, your brain's working uh, overtime to keep up with these guys. Yeah, I've been there. It's hey, crazy. Why, well, yeah. While we're I on this topic, hey Henry, hold on no, just for, a second. While we're on this topic, because I have a feeling we're going to, we've all got stories about this, but I, I want to get this point across because it's been happening to me just the last couple of weeks. This idea that we're talking about, all of these connections we make with other, you know, industry partners that we need, there's lots of them. I mean, I try to make these connections all the time. I will tell you that you two need to get active with your stuff on Twitter. I am blown away by, you know, I, I used to make a lot of my connections in the industry at events, you know, because it's in person. It's, it's a much better way to connect with people. And I just haven't been going to a lot of events. There haven't been as many and I haven't been wanting to travel. So I have not been making a lot of new connections. You know, I have all the partners and connections we've made over the years. Since I have gotten active on Twitter, I can't keep up with my schedule anymore of conference calls. That's why I'm quitting today at 11 or 10, I mean, because I've got a call. I have got a call this afternoon and it's this company reached out to me. And and what this company does is they are like the middleman or the connector between companies that need consultants in a specific area, this company go finds the consultants and matches them up. That's what they do. And then they kind of, you know, manage the, the relationship. So they called me, they said, we have a client right now who needs somebody who really understands dat, truckstop.com and trucker tools. And we've we've been listening to your podcast and watching your post on Twitter, and you look like you might fit the bill. So they called me. We set up a call to just talk about it. And I, I said, well, both Dat and Truckstop.com were clients of mine, Dat for a year and Truckstop for years. And I'm very familiar with Trucker Tools. I've talked to the CEO. I know the whole system. So they said, you're the perfect person. Here's how it works. Um, we'll set up a one hour call with the client. It's $80 an hour. And then it, you may contract further beyond that. But the hour is is set up, you get 80 bucks an hour. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds like fun because 
This is an investment group. This is another big tech investment group that wants to get into trucking. This is a hot sector right now. It has been for a couple of years. So I want to talk to these people. I want to know what they're doing. I, so there's value in me. I would do that hour call for free. They're going to pay me 80 bucks an hour. Sure, I'll mm-hmm. do that. And then I, I thought this was a really cool thing. We're filling out, you know, all the paperwork and signing agreements. And she said, okay, she said, we have several options on how you can get paid. And I, I thought, well, okay, I, I don't care how you do it as long as it ends up in my bank account. And except one of their options was, she said, you know, we get a lot of people that do this kind of consulting an hour here, an hour there. Some of them are retired. She said, so we have an option if you want to donate the money. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, you know, I kind of do. I, I would do this call for free anyway because I'm interested in it. So my $80 today is going to Tunnels to Towers. I thought that was a cool thing. Yeah, that is cool. Nice. But I, I am Nastic reached out to me because of something on Twitter. I haven't talked to Nastic in a couple of years. I have just been overwhelmed with requests because of Twitter. And with what you guys do, I think you will make a lot of really good connections there. Twitter is changing every day. And I, I believe that Twitter is going to become a very important platform. And Twitter spaces is going to become a big thing. I'm, I am now committed to doing two spaces every week. I have to get on and check that out. I've avoided it like the plague in the Me past. Too. So Me I too. Me too. I've got to take a look I, at it and see what's going I, on. I, I did yep. the same thing. And, and this topic that just came up, and I know for all three of us, this is an important thing. We work with a lot of companies. We reach out to companies to get info. I am just blown away by the contacts I've made in just a couple of months on Twitter. And they've reached out to me. I don't, it's not even like I'm going out and looking for it. They're, just because I'm huh. posting, you know, I'm pretty active. I, I post a lot. But you guys have tons of stuff. You post a lot already. All you have to, you know, if you get one of those mm-hmm. aggregator programs where you write one post and you can send it to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all at once. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. you're going to find if you get active on Twitter, you're going to be surprised. Yeah, definitely have to check it out. Which I've is, had my highest quality over uh, on LinkedIn, but I got to get on Twitter more. So I, I'm like Joe; I avoided that like the plague. Henry, I agree with that. I get I get requests for this kind of stuff through LinkedIn too, and it is a really good quality. You can see who everybody is. You can see their background, their education, their projects. I, I love that. But LinkedIn, um, it would take me a year to get anywhere near the activity on LinkedIn that I've gotten in a month on Twitter. Wow. Yeah, it is just so much more. Here's the difference. Nobody scrolls LinkedIn all day. Everybody scrolls Twitter all day. That that's the big difference in the activity. LinkedIn is very high quality. I do like it, but there's just no activity over there because nobody is on their phone scrolling LinkedIn. So it's odd. I don't scroll anywhere. (laughs) Well, right. You're too busy to be scrolling all day, but you'd be surprised that at especially people who who work in offices and, you know, it's easy to be scrolling when you should be working. There's an awful lot of that going on these days, Uh, but you can take advantage of it. I do mine, Kevin, when, when I'm walking into the truck stop, because I check on it and I see, you know, what was important that happened. Then, then I go to the rest of it and I spin it like Wheel of Fortune, where it stops, it stops. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, there are there Twitter. All of these sites have really figured out how to pe- keep people just glued to their site all day long. And, and that's what, you know, Twitter's done. Facebook was there for a while. That's kind of Facebook has made a lot of mistakes. Uh, Facebook could have been far more powerful than it is. But that I think that's what Elon is really doing with Twitter now. And the, the idea that Tucker Carlson's going over there and he will be broadcasting exclusively from Twitter now, that's huge. And I think this Twitter spaces thing is going to become really big. So I, I do want to talk to both of you guys about potentially moving this show um, to a Twitter space, maybe as early as next week. Well, back to what we're talking about with those heated discussions with the engineers. What's funny is they expect you to argue with them. And if you don't, you don't have nothing. So why would you be there? Right. Good point. But after you start arguing, you better be able to back it up. Yeah. (laughs) So Yeah. (laughs) Me and Joel have shared some of those conversations. Boy, that's something else how that that can go. The story that I've told several times is with the oil engineers and it was Shell um, and it was at the Louisville truck show and I was doing a seminar and Shell was the sponsor. And out of respect for Shell, there's a lot of things I can talk about when I do a seminar. I mean, shoot, when the CMC, I'm on stage for 35 to 40 hours a week. So if you give me two hours to do a seminar, the toughest job I have is what am I going to cover in two hours? So if I leave something out, it's not that big of a deal. I have to leave a lot of stuff out. So out of respect for Shell, I left out anything about, you know, crazy long extended drains. I I won't talk about that. It's not a big deal. I have lots to talk about. What's the very first question I get when I finish my presentation and go to questions? And all the Shell executives are standing in the back of the room, and I know who they are, and I'm watching them. The very first question, I've heard you say you never change your oil. How's that possible? Like, oh, boy, here we go. So, of course, somebody asked me. Now I'm going to talk about it. I don't care who the sponsor is. So I go through the whole thing. I said, look, I don't, I don't never change my oil. I change it based on condition, not based on a random number. And with that and good, mm-hmm. using good bypass filtration and good quality oil, you can run oil in these engines for hundreds of thousands of miles sometimes. But remember, it's condition-based. There may be times you have to change it in 25,000 miles because something went wrong. That's the power of this. You're not just random. So I can see that all the executives are in the back of the room. They're in a huddle now. And I'm like, oh, boy. So sure enough, as soon as I get off the stage, they surround me. You can't say that. I said, of course I can. I just did. And they're like, no, 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 you shouldn't say that. And I'm like, no, I should. And I'm going to keep saying it. And if you don't like that, then we probably should talk about this partnership going forward. Well, we need to get you in the room with our engineers. And I'm like, okay, that'll be fun. So they said like an hour. So I get in there, Joel, and it's the same thing. There's like six of them and it's me. And it's like an inquisition you know, they're all surrounding me and they're all staring at me and they're like, you can't tell people not to change their oil. And I said, I didn't. You know, I didn't. 
but what I told them is exactly correct and you know it. And they all just stared at me and I said, don't you guys brag that you have like the largest database of oil samples in the world? Well, yes, we're proud of that. And I said, okay, so don't we know by samples whether oil is good or not? Yes. And I said, okay, let me show you a sample of a truck that has 400,000 miles on it without an oil change. And I want you to tell me if I should leave that oil in the truck or not. And they looked at the sample and they said, yeah, it's fine. Uh, So tell me where I'm saying something wrong then. What I'm saying is something you don't like, but it's not wrong. Right. Yep. Yeah. You got to love that when that happens at a presentation, when you get put there. Oh, yeah, exactly. I've had I've had that huddle already. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking for him to go up there on the side of the stage and get the hook to pull you off. And you know what I what like, I what what I told them was next time you want me to do this and there, if you're going to stand in the back of the room, make sure you've got some engineers with you. Don't bring just the marketing people. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. All right. But uh, what happened to Joel? Why did, how did Joel, how did you get muted? I'm, uh, I'm here. <laughs> how did you get I muted? I uh, dropped the call and I had to call, oh, I had okay. to call back in. I, my call dropped out here. Got it. Yep. All right. We've got you back then. We were still talking about the whole engineer thing. I told the story of Shell and. I, I, yeah. I heard it all. Yep. <laughs> okay, yep. good. All right. <laughs> what do you say we uh, take some phone calls? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, let's go to Washington. Tony, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, nice to talk to you again. Thanks, all you guys, for doing this. this. This has really helped me a lot, even though I pushed back on Joel about his 60 miles an hour and, and hating brokers and all that. Um, I was listening yesterday, and by the way, I went through Oregon, and you said something about PACAR, and you know, you'd never touch a PACAR. Remember, you were going to ask for my address uh, so you could kick my ass if I sold this Packard motor. Yeah, well, there are exceptions. <laughs> See, it's the exception that proves the rule, remember? So there are exceptions. Yeah, yeah I, and I thought that Paul had a Packard as well, but I, I don't know when he, or I might have got that wrong. I thought we had the same truck with different color, uh, 15579 with a Packard I thought he had. I think yesterday he said he had Cummins now. He's, yeah, he's so, had um, a Cummins for quite some almost time. 900, yeah. Well, I, if you gave me a Tesla, I don't think I would take it over this pack car because I've got um, almost 900,000 miles. Uh, it has blown the charge air cooler and the radiator, which I think you would be fine for 900,000 miles. No oil. You, you know, 30? they did replace the turbo and the, the crankshaft on, on a recall and within warranty. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to throw this statistic out there. Something like 30% of all new charger coolers are leaking within two years. So, yeah, having a leaking charger cooler is a common issue. Most people don't even realize it, never replace it. So, congratulations on fixing it. I think I'm just really lucky with trucks. I mean, the my C15 was fine from Stevens. I shouldn't have even gotten rid of that. But part of the decision was to not change my oil for 60,000 miles. And I didn't know you then, but it, I could have probably gone hundreds. Probably. I do go 60 quite regularly. Um, Excellent. But, but I still want a Volvo just because it seems like we can do higher speeds at, uh, at still good fuel economy. 
just because I don't want to waste that time, you know, getting good fuel mileage when I could be working out, which is, which is a lot of my time. You just, I just had a thought about, you know, I, I talked about when I drove 57 was my speed. I very seldom ever changed that. And I didn't need to, I was on scheduled runs. I had plenty of time to get my run done every day. And I could go over the road and still run at 57 all the time. I mean, it's just, it wouldn't bother me a bit. I could make money doing it, but I love this idea that, that Joel and Henry have worked out where we have options. We have two and sometimes three gears we can run at highway speeds. If I were buying a new truck today, I would spec it like this, even though I probably wouldn't use those options, but about 10% of the time. Why not spec a truck like this? It doesn't really cost anything more. And why wouldn't you want all those options? The ability to run in two or three different gears at highway speeds. And then when we talk about if we can get the industry to start to understand this, now I've got a truck with a better resale value. Not that I care a whole lot about resale value, but there are times where you should care about it. I I don't care about it because I kept trucks for 10 years. But that's a big issue if you do this right. Yeah, and before Matt called me a company, company driver, and that I don't have the option of going slow. Let me say it again for Matt. Uh, I am choosing to go slow, even though I do think it is mathematical malpractice. <laughs> I am going sticky. It is fun. <laughs> I, I can find time to work out. I can plan my loads around it. I won't make as much money. I will prove that. Uh, speaking about engineers, I think I'm switching, trying to switch jobs. If you need a truck driver that also has, because I was on that route, I didn't stay in engineering, but those engineers in that multivariable calculus class couldn't keep up. They were asking me, all right, dude, how do you do, how do you solve this problem? And they were trying to make (laughs) engineering school. So I think I've found a new career path. There you Um, go. But maybe, maybe not. But uh, yeah, I I know I can make it in trucking uh, with, without, going fast or slow, I just choose to be healthy. So I, you know, I take time off and I go fast. So I have time to keep in shape. You know, let me address that. So if you take guys like us and and people who listen to this show, if you listen to the show, you're probably somewhat interested in running things by the numbers and specking things right. And there's a whole bunch of people in trucking who never think of any of this stuff. I deal with them every day because mm-hmm. they tell tell me how wrong I am. and But those are the people right now who are absolutely hurting. And we look at them and I, I can't, I can't approach somebody like that that's struggling right now and try to fix everything in their business. I can't look at it and give them 10 different strategies because it will just overwhelm them. So I focus on one thing. Let's improve your fuel mileage. We, we, or we looked at your maintenance costs. It's way off the charts. Let's focus on that. And a lot of times we can fix things with one. We can at least, you know, make an improvement. So we buy some time. We can work on the next one. When you take, Guys like, you know, the people on the show, Joel and Henry and Matt and all the other people that call in, they're doing so many things right that they could stop doing six of them and they would still succeed. Like you said, you could go fast or slow and still make a bunch of money. You could. That's exactly right. I think the consensus is uh, for people listening to the show that that the general theme is that 
all you need to do is get an iTorque motor with a, a Volvo on it, big sleeper or, or no sleeper, and run a 194 gear, and you can let it you drive know, itself. That is right. where the country is going. Everyone's so, going to want that truck. Yeah, but we're also saying, hey, look, this isn't the only truck. There's at least two more. No. And Joel just talked about it. And if we can get the industry on board, maybe we can get two more. It, it, I believe that we, and Joel's talked about it, we, the people on this show, we have impacts in the industry. That's what we're talking about with these partnerships. We can change the industry. And and we're already doing it. Joel's think, done it with Volvo and Henry's done it with Freightliner. And, and I've been talking a lot with Jamie this week. He's doing some things with me on Twitter, Jamie Hagan. He's doing all those same things with I Mac. Do. These guys Good are guy. making a real impact with these OEMs and they're changing things. There is got to be a way with the hours of service where we can run the speed limit, not over, and still get the maximum amount of fuel there is. mileage without having to go slow. And there, Volvo uh, is doing it. So is and Henry. That is, so that is that's where the my project I've been so, yeah. on for a number of years. Project seventy plus forward slash ten. Henry's been doing been this doing for years. For a while. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I called because I didn't know about that. It, it seemed like the only way to get a, a decent fuel mileage was to slow down. But I, I can see well, that the that the industry so is listening, that that's just not going to cut it. That's too me, much time wasted. Let me make one statement that might help people understand this. Our goal, when I say ours, all of us that work on fuel economy, our goal is to be able to get the maximum fuel economy at any speed, knowing that the true maximum fuel economy will always be at a lower speed, if that makes sense. But, but um, agreed. I, you might have miscalculated. I'll, I will do some. Yeah. All right. I, I'll buy that. But I think we can improve it. But we need to because yeah, well yeah you can do the best a lot you can time. at seventy five like yesterday I had to run seventy five with forty three thousand in the box did I do hey. good at seventy five but not as good as I did at sixty five Joel and Henry I want to pose By something the way, I to you say and, and gas see, see what what your thoughts are on this we take platforms like Volvo now and Freightliner where we know we have these options we've got this big wide operating range we can we can hit. Uh, I will make the statement, and it's just based on pure physics, that no matter how you spec a truck to get fuel economy at, say, 70, you get the absolute perfect specs, you're getting the maximum fuel economy at 70, that truck can always be specced to get better fuel economy at 65, 60, 55. Every time we slow down, we may have to adjust specs. We may not on some of these trucks. But we will always be able to achieve more fuel economy at slower speeds. We just have to keep that in mind. But how much is how much is that time worth that you've it, lost? Well, never here's that, two hours back. That, here's well, how, well, wait a minute. Too many times was, that yeah. that that time gets lost <laughs> on its own anyway because you you have an appointment. Here's, you got there two hours early. You just lost that two hours. Well, I think plan your so, better. Because you can't get that 700-mile load. That's You can't make back that $1,400 you lost. But I don't want to get into a wage discrepancy. We're talking about, you know, trucks. And, yes, this Packard is a gas hog. I do have to say. But 
you got to measure both. So on any given day, like today, I only have to run 65. I could run faster, but I got plenty of time to get there. Yesterday, with where I had to make it to make it my to my where I needed to be, I had to run 75 when I got into Texas. So you got to balance both of those factors out. It's not one or the other. But my truck will do ultimately the best on fuel if I get it down around 45. <laughs> yeah, Actually, it does hey, the best if I park hey, it and shut the key off. One of the one well, of the, but you get somebody like Matt that one of runs the, 700 miles a day probably, and he's killing us. One of the craziest fuel mileage tests I remember reading about, the headline was Class A tractor achieves 13 miles to the gallon, and this was about 20 years ago. And I thought, what? So I read the article. They were European cab overs. They were pulling 90,000 pounds. They were on a test track, and they did achieve 13 miles to the gallon at 37 miles an hour. Yeah. That yeah. was the test, really. And, and they made a big deal out of it. You know, you got to do what you got to do for that day. Like Monday, I left Laredo and I made it to Gulfport, Mississippi, 735 miles in 10 hours and 55 minutes. (laughs) But that's what needed to happen on that day. Right. And you have set up a truck that allows you to do that and get the best of fuel economy you can at those speeds. But you could also run down at 57 and you wanted and get incredible fuel economy down there. That's what. That's the whole point of all of that's, this. Just don't that's forget right. about, about versatility. Correct. Right. That's what we're talking that's about. Give me some power. Yeah, Power's always better. Thing is still it's going far, strong. Where we are, we are working on Tony. I got to cut you loose. Calls are piling up, and I got to watch my time today. Um, we are working on some contacts at Packard. Uh, John has a, a contact there that he's helping us out with. So um, that is our goal in this group. We want to cover all the OEMs. Let's get people who are who want to run those OEMs and we can test things with them. Let's make contacts with people at the OEMs and I, I, we can change the industry. I agree. Let's um, there was something else. Oh, maybe it'll come to me in a little bit. We have so many calls, we better get to them. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Pat, welcome. Hey, good morning, guys. I'm always a fan when Tony calls. He's a uh, independent thinker, always has different opinions, but is respectful. He's a good call. He is. Um, I'm calling today. I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are on, um, if you have experience with them, either first or second hand, the greaseless components you can spec on a truck. So specifically, like driveline U-joints, and then the front end, oh. I think you can get greaseless grease-free kingpins and uh, spring pins as well. So if you have thoughts or experience with those. I'll jump in and give you my experience because I did a lot of work on this years ago. Um, So it started when, uh, so I, I can remember the year. How bizarre is this? 1994. I remember reading a big article in Overdrive magazine about the looming shortage of diesel technicians. And it was a big deal. And I, I was, you know, watching every penny in my operation. And I was seeing that I was spending more money on rental trucks because my trucks were spending more time in the shop. My trucks were coming out of the shop, not fixed right. And they had to go back in. My maintenance costs were going up. My rental truck costs were going up. And I said, I, if this is going to get worse, I better find some solutions. It's when I started researching oil bypass systems. So if I don't have to change my oil as often, that will help. 
If I'm not changing my oil, what about fuel filters and grease? Well, the Davco kind of solved the problem. I don't have to change till I see that it's full. That cuts down my, you know, throwing away good filters. Um, now I started looking at this auto lube system. So it wasn't greaseless components. It was a system you put on your truck with one central reservoir. You filled that reservoir up with grease. And then while you were driving the truck, the truck greased itself. And you could set the timing on it every so many seconds. It would shoot a little shot of grease through the system. And it's connected to all your grease fittings. Fantastic system. I recommended them for years. Put them on every truck I owned. And, but then all of a sudden, well, I still have to grease the drive shaft because we can't put a fitting on that. So then I started researching. You didn't try? Yeah, I did. I got these really, really long hoses and it would wrap around the drive shaft. And then every now and then you would have to, you would have to back up to unwind it. Yeah, it wasn't working very well, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you, you need you needed the flex coil stuff. Yeah, it stretches the, farther. Yeah. So I started researching the the long life non greasable U joints, and everybody told me I was an idiot. Oh, those are awful. What are you thinking? Just get under there. Oh, yeah. it, it's thirty cents worth of grease. It's not the thirty cents worth of grease. It's the time I have to get under there to do it. And, and I, I was you. trying exactly. to build maintenance-free trucks as much as I could. And that was a big part of uh -huh. it. So my experience with those, even the early versions of those greaseless U-joints, I had excellent results with them. I never replaced one of them. And they lasted the life uh -huh. of my trucks. Let, let, I know my old century had them, and, and I sold that at... 915,000 when I sold it and my local shop mechanics, oh, you're going to have to replace all that stuff. It had greaseless slack adjusters and everything. And everything was good when I sold it. Well, we have and last I heard it had a million three on it. We have another example of this. When was the last time somebody put a grease gun to a car? Oh, yeah, I know. They have That's, all the same if it's components. Sealed, it don't matter. Right. They have all the same components. Yeah. If they can make a component that doesn't need to be re-greased, then we can make those same components for trucks. Sure. Even when I grease, if I feel the bellows around the uh, tie rod end or whatever, and if it's still all puffed up and full of pressure, it, why am I putting grease in there? Right. Right. I'm just making the, a mess. The, the one thing that was nice about that, auto lube system. It, it made a mess. It did. You know, I had a regular schedule. My truck had to go down and get all that crap steam cleaned off because it does start to build up around those components. But part of that is why those components also that lasted so long. Not only are you putting in fresh grease, you're also pushing out any kind of contaminants that might have gotten in. Because yeah. those weren't the seals sealed. on yeah, you right. have improved well, so the, much. That's the beauty of the sealed components. You don't get contamination in, so you don't have to keep trying to push new grease through to get it out. Right. That's my fault, exactly. I, yeah, that, that's remember, what I Remember the old ones, Kevin, when you'd put a grease gun on it and, and it'd pump water out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Brian, so. Go ahead, I'm sorry. So my new my new trucks that have come in, um, about to have three of them now. I did put the greaseless U joints on them, and you you nailed the reasons. It's like now that I have six trucks, like I know it's not a ton of work, but if I'm greasing trucks, it's on Saturday and Sunday mornings, and like 
I would much rather be home with my family on a exactly. Saturday and Sunday morning. Exactly. And the other thing is I'm like super OCD. I hate the, the grease that gets sprayed for me usually. I have them all now with the, the no lube fifth wheels keep all the grease off the rear end because when I have to work back there, it's so much easier to see stuff. It's so it, much cleaner. It's a big but, improvement. Um, but it that's, really that's is. why. The, any experience with the front ends, the king pins and the spring pin bushings or spring pins that you don't have to grease, I haven't had the balls to pull the trigger on them yet, but trying to get some feedback. Uh, I don't have any feedback on um, other components on the front end that are greaseless. I, d- I just never uh-uh. really used any of them. Well, what, what I can give my example my 01 century, the only thing you greased on it was the tie rod ends and the kingpins. It, it ha- and I, that was my first one with the greaseless spring bushings and all that. Never had a problem with it. And I lost track of the truck at a million three and everything was still original. Hey, Pat, I could answer that wow. question this way. If I were to go spec a new truck today, part of my part of the process would be to seek out every greaseless component they offered, and I would spec every one of them. I would take the chance. Yep. I, I would I, I, I would find out every option they had that was greaseless, and I would take every one of them. The other benefit, too, is when you have components that need greasing, they need greasing. And Correct. if you lose track of them or something, they're going to start to wear. But you're if right. the component's designed not to need greasing, you're not missing an interval. My little dry shift for our, for our blowers, I run off the PTO, I've got half. Actually, I'm almost all switched over to greaseless U-joints. They're much smaller. Those greaseless U-joints have zero freaking play. Zero. All the ones that have grease search, they get play after a couple of weeks of running them. you got to put grease in. That takes the play out of it. But they play where this grease-free ones never, ever get play. They're tight. They're completely tight. That's a good point. And, again, we, and we have... We have a great example of this. We all used to grease our cars. Nobody greases cars anymore, and these components do not fail. Yeah. I'll let you guys go, but thanks thanks for the feedback. All right. Thanks for the call. Good stuff. Let's go to, where are we going? We're going to Texas this time. Howdy. Howdy. I crossed the Red River on in Oklahoma. So are, are you, are you, are, are you, Paul, are you complaining of how long you were on hold? No, I'm just pointing it out. Okay. <laughs> if I was going to complain, who give a shit? <laughs> that's, that's about <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. But, um, for Tony, my truck is a 2014 built in 2013, 388 Peterbilt, which is a short hood version of a 389. And it's always had a Cummins engine in it. And I've never had a Packer. There we go. We got our update. Um, yeah, and it's 1.2 million miles, probably by the end of next week. Nice. So I was looking at the front of Joel's truck and the front of Henry's truck and also looked at the front of Steve Crone's truck. So he can chime in too if he wants to. So even though all three are aerodynamic, right at the very front, the bumper... And below the bumper, you're all way different. Joel's truck is completely rounded from the bumper down. Henry's has got the little plastic spoiler that hangs down. Steve Crone's got the big flat bumper, but it's got the splitter on the bottom of it, and his probably goes lower to the ground than both of your guys. I'm thinking, I don't know for sure, but... I don't know how you could go much lower than mine. Oh, yours drops down when you get rolling, doesn't it? No. They have one like that, but no, it's low. Oh, okay. So, which, I suppose they all work, but 
is there a lot of difference or what works better or you know, I, I, I'll give my experience on aerodynamics. We're, we're probably splitting hairs until somebody does an awful lot of testing of this kind of stuff head to head. And wind tunnel testing is almost non-existent in trucking because of the cost. Um, the, the, the kind of um, computer generated stuff that um, smart truck used to do that I was really familiar with is outrageously expensive. They have to rent time on supercomputers. So there's not enough money in some of these products that the aftermarket companies can afford to do that. The only people doing that kind of testing are the OEMs or companies like smart truck that were getting a ton of tax dollars. Uh, So it's hard to answer a lot of aerodynamic questions when we come down to minute differences like that. And and there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know, like of the OEMs. Freightliner has a wind tunnel, which is pretty cool to be in. They can make it snow in there. That's wild. Now it's it's tractor only, right? Can they do a full tractor trailer? Well, uh, not not a full trailer. They got a partial part of a trailer, right? That it hooks right. up to in there. Yeah, and and that's that's the issue. Even well, somebody wind tunnels like, are expensive that, to build. I, that's what I was about to say. Even Freightliner <laughs> will not spring for a full blown wind tunnel that can put a full truck and trailer in there. Close, money, but not. Oh yeah, real. So you were talking, I think it was yesterday, about planning your days and everything. So I, I left home yesterday, made a delivery when I was heading south, then went down to Seabrook, Texas, and got loaded. My plan was to leave my house, get empty, get to Seabrook, Texas, and get back to the rest area on I-45, just south of Corsa Canada, last night. So I was exactly on time. I did 660 miles yesterday, and I had seven minutes of drive time left and about 50 minutes of shift time. So it was a busy day, but, and today I'll go to Oklahoma, make my three deliveries, probably got to get two trailer tires and get back to my house, which I guess we got the tornado bullseye painted on us this year because another one went past the house last night. So no damage though, thank God. Good. Paul, you, you sound like me. My ultimate day is when I get to where I'm parked, if I'm on the last five minutes of my log, my low fuel light's blinking and my low def light's blinking. I used up everything I could out of that day. You know, yeah, well, I, I got it. I, 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 it I, I, I used it all. So. Yeah. Right. I'll let you carry on. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome. Hey, guys. What's on your mind today? This, this one will be dirt. Well, this will be mainly directed to Joel simply because this is a Volvo question. I, uh, you know, Kevin, how you said you love the truck, you hate the dealers? Yes. Man, am I getting in tune with that. I have <laughs> never seen such a sorry excuse for service as what I get at McMahon. Oh, my God. So, so wait a minute. But that's not really uh, why. I wait call. a minute. Now, I have a uh-huh. feeling Joel may be able to back me up on this one. If you think it's bad now. Imagine the first five years they brought Volvo engines over here and, you know, went to full-blown Volvo trucks. And they, at the time, every technician you had to go deal with had less than two years experience. 
Well, just go buy a pack yeah. car. You can get the same thing. No, exactly. <laughs> you know, when, when we were used well, to... The same thing happened you, when, you, when the DD series came out. Oh, exactly. Same, right. same type of deal. The difference, though, is because that engine was so popular, that went away pretty quickly. And, and you had guys that had 30 years of experience on a Series 60. And they were so tied into that that network that they were getting training before the, the engine was ever brought out. So you had a guy that had 30 years experience on Detroit products and he was factory trained on the new engines and, and there were still problems, no doubt. But Volvo, I think suffered mm-hmm. some really big problems because there was just no way to get technicians that had experience on that engine. Right. So Joe, Yes, you uh, you mentioned at one time to um, make this thing start in first gear always, which I agree. Cause yes, start starting sometimes as high as five is just ridiculous. So I did right. have them do that. But the part that amazed me when they did it, and then I have another follow up after this. The part that amazed me after they did start in first gear all the time. You know how because this one has the performance shifter. You know, the one on the seat. Um, you can select gears even if you're in automatic or if you're in manual. You can select them. Mm-hmm. Well, now that it's in first gear all the time, even if you mm-hmm. pull back to manual and you're sitting on a mm-hmm. downgrade, you still can't bump up to start in two, three, four, what have you. It's first. That's it, Jack. Mm-hmm. Is that expected? They have something wrong. No, there's something wrong. That's what I figured. <laughs> and then the other one I asked for was uh, gear down protection. You said to turn that off. Turn it off, absolutely. So I asked for that. Now, mind you, all these things happened while they had it, but I never got a call one time about, hey, man, this is what we found. Not once. <laughs> they just did what okay. they did. Right, like, Holy crap. So here's I'm going to read to you what's on the bill. It says okay. set parameters, set parameters so the truck will not start off, so the truck will start off in first gear. Okay, that's all fine. Mm-hmm. Connect the truck to PTT pull parameters. There are no parameters on this truck titled gear down protection. The closest found was torque limitation on low gear. No, this, no, wait a minute, no, let me, let me no. finish. Let me finish. This parameter was disabled, and driver will have to determine if this provides to what he is expecting, as there are no other parameter matching this provided description. So go ahead. What do you think? <laughs> no, that's huh. not the right parameter. <laughs> there yeah, is, obviously, there is a wording, but what is <laughs> What the hell even is the, the, the big, low gear the low gear torque <laughs> low gear torque protection is like if you're in crawler gear for a second they're they're multiplying the capacity of the the drive shaft and they don't want to exceed like thirty thousand newton meters to the axle and that's what that's all about so you're you've got absolutely full torque in the very very low gears which in your application. It's probably not a big deal. If you were dragging a dump trailer through, you know, 12 inches of mud, okay, at that point, that probably starts to become a big deal. So 
But no, there there is a gear down. I will get that code identifier. I'll try and get that for you, and uh, then you can show the dealer what needs to happen. So we'll get it. We'll get it straight. Okay, so, so Joel, I have basically got the setup where he can send it now. <laughs> they should be able to. Well, not on his truck. They won't be able to do it over the air. On the newer ones, they can't. Well, they I, they might be able to. What year is yours again? Mine's an 18, and I was told that I can't get the remote diagnostic because it's a 3G system, and they don't support that no more. Oh, whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what, that's okay. What the, and I called that, uh, oh, what do they call that? That Volvo Telematics, maybe is what they call it. And, that's and not that's a visor. What, what, that, that they, Okay. Remote yeah, diagnostic. Yeah, that's on the vibe. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. That's what that's who I called. So let me ask you this. I have mm-hmm. I am a remote tuner for Pittsburgh Power. Okay. So I've already got the computer. I've already got the next queue or however you say that, the data reader. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Of course I've got the plugs for Cat Cummins in Detroit and got all that stuff because of being a tuner. They do have a OBD two connector wire that goes into the next mm-hmm. get, or however you say that word. That is in there, but to be able to do anything with this, you need what I'm hearing called PTT, which is some yeah. kind of a software deal. Do you know, is that something I can just have put on my laptop? I already got the yes. OBD2 plug, and do you have any idea what it costs and what it will do? Uh, at the they've got a website. They've got a website. You go to the PTT's website, and they'll break all that down for you. There's different versions. There's different price ranges. All kinds of information there on PTT. Would that version of PTT that we're talking about allow me to do the changes that you're saying, gear down protection, those kind of things? Uh, you'll have to look to see what price range you want to get into. I think you can buy the factory technician level if you want to. It's all oh, there yeah, for sale. Ten thousand. Well, I, 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 I don't know how much it is. <laughs> so you'll have to look. But, yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I don't know I, either. I'm guessing. I don't. I don't think it's that expensive. But um, I, I, I don't know for sure. But I, I, I don't believe it's that expensive. So, but yeah, but you, you should be able to affordably get into a level where you can change those types of parameters. You're not going to be able to do horsepower upgrades and downgrades and stuff like that but you'll be able to change a, a, a bunch of parameters in there, yeah. Yeah, you won't, be able to, you won't be able to upgrade or download shift logic either. I've heard you talk about different people that you're dealing with and setting up programs and whatnot. I think you said that McMahon is one of them. I have had discussions with McMahon. I'll be honest with you, I've gotten so damn busy. I have talked to three or four different dealers wanting to put together something and, and do some stuff with them. I just haven't had time to do it. Well, if you ever I mean, talk with McMahon, yeah. mm-hmm. tell him to pay attention to detail. It's asked, that way at every shop, for, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it, it just amazes me. I asked for an oil sample for Ryder to bottle. They didn't take it. Grease all over mm-hmm. the side of the truck, tracked inside, onto the floor mat, and onto the pedals. The hood wasn't mm-hmm. shut properly. It would flop open if I wouldn't have checked it. The doors were popped partway open. Every light inside mm-hmm. the cab was on. It's really, mm-hmm. if that would have sat, I'd just then have dead batteries, and then you can sell me batteries, maybe. Batteries, I, exactly. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Cheese and rice. Yep, yep. Anyway. Yeah, we've, we've all owned. Say, 
multiple different brands of trucks, and I tell you, we bump up against that. That that applies across the board uh, yeah. for the most part. But when you oh, do get a good dealer, yeah, that, then then you know where to where to stay, you know. But yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Some of the just simplest bullshit, and it just it drives uh, you mad because the the prices they're charging nowadays the oh. the work on your truck. You would think that that thing would be spit, shine, and polished and sitting up there waiting for you when you're when you're ready to pick it up. Well, for what they uh, charge, one of the things for what that I do did, around that go is that for one, most of my maintenance I schedule out ahead, and mm-hmm. I've created a relationship with a tech. I don't like seven different people working on my truck. To me, it's like a doctor-patient relationship. And I always, wherever I live at least, and then maybe different places along my route because I run the same route, I try to develop relationships at least that I know who the shop manager or the service manager is so that it eliminates a lot of that because they kind of get to know you and know what your expectations are on top of that. Henry, I actually did that. With this dealer, I've been there before. I talked to the guy two months before I wanted all this work done, scheduled it. I have his cell phone number, the guy that runs the garage. And it's still, it, things got left out. It just amazes me. So, when just my, imagine how it would have been without the relationship. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. So, when, when me and my brother started, when, when Ploger was kind of in its infancy, we were dealing with, we had multiple brands at the time, and we were dealing with a bunch of different dealerships and having all the exact same problems you're describing. And, you know, that's when we decided, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take some money that we probably didn't really have at the time. (laughs) And we were going to invest in a shop and training and, you know, got our own shop up and running our own techs just because we were sick and tired of those types of problems. The one thing that we did find that was very helpful whenever you had problems like this, the way that you went back in and approached the service manager was absolutely critical if you were going to kind of solve that issue. And it's really easy to go in there and fly off the handle and, you know, just oh, yeah, really yeah, rough yeah, them up verbally. You, you definitely don't want to do that. And, you know, we, we, we took a lot of service managers out to lunch when we were upset with them and <laughs> sat them down and, and, and fed them well and said, okay, hey, look, here's, here's the issues. Here's some pictures. This is what – and so you've you got to be very diplomatic with that. And that's an ongoing thing because just about the time you get that service manager where you want him, he goes to work for somebody else. Yeah, 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 starting all over. Yep. So, so just, just get used to it. This is part of the business, and the better you are okay. at – schmoozing that service manager, the the better off you're going to be, you know, where every dealer in the country has screw ups like this. Doesn't, doesn't make any difference who it is, what brand of truck. Um, it's just how well you, you work through that challenge and, and, uh, you'll get there for a while and then you're going to have to start all over. So I, I feel you. I feel you. All right, I'm guys. spoiled because well, I can just run over to my brothers, but you know yeah, I mean? right. but, uh, now I hear you. <laughs> I'll pull a pole and I'll carry on. Go ahead, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, Joel, I sent you a picture. I texted it. Henry, Mm -hmm. I tried to text it to you, but I realized I don't have your phone number in my system. I only have the email and it wouldn't go through for some reason. Do you see that picture, Joel? Yes. I I know this isn't going to win me any any points around, you know, truck stops in this country, but 
if I were to buy a truck right now, that would be the truck I would want. I love that thing. Really? I do. And now, look, I don't. I'll tell I, you. Well, before. Wait a minute. But, I can't see it. What is it? Well, hold on. Before we go <laughs> any before a, we go a, any further, I am going mm-hmm. totally on looks, style. I know nothing about DAF. I don't know what engines are available. I, but just looking at even the color. I love the color of this truck, but that <laughs> it is a that, it is a sharp truck. That's no doubt that style of truck in a single axle. It's a European cab over. It's a DAF. It's this turquoise blue. But this is in my mind, this is just a beautiful truck. Have you driven a European cab over? I have not. I would love to. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I personally was not impressed. Really. It was kind of like the old CL, the, the two-story Ford, you know, that <laughs> oh, would lean and sway 000. and rock. Yeah. And I, I guess I guess if you get used to it, because all the Europeans love that feel, and I'm, I am not a fan. I'll tell you. There's, obviously, it's a cab over, so there's not as much room, and it's duty cycle dependent upon at, at that point. But I don't like the motion of the cab, um, going around corners and just, just going down a straight road, just kind of floats and rock, oh, very no, soft ride. Right. There's, there's yeah. no doubt about, no doubt about that, but I, I got to take drama mean to drive one. Yeah. You know, and on, uh, I it, drove a low cab, low, low cab forward international way back years ago. That gets you up there where the Europeans are down low and up front. Yeah, you know, the, <laughs> there, you the, go. <laughs> there, there was a really easy fix to that soft swaying ride. The, um, the Road King shocks fixed that instantly. And they really did. It's a shame we, we can't get that super heavy-duty version they made on something like this. I, it, I, I think I, it would fix it. I, I think most of this is in the cab suspension. Oh, itself. okay. Not, not necessarily the truck suspension. The truck suspension has sway bars and everything. The truck suspension is correct. In fact, they've got left and right leveling valves on the rear. And, I mean, they, they do a lot of things right in terms of that. I'm just not thrilled on how, and they can probably just dial in the adjustment on that cab too. I'm just not thrilled with what I drove on that particular day, that, that swaying motion. I'll bet you that in the parameters, they could firm that cab suspension up. You know, and and when you talk about duty cycle, you're absolutely correct. And the reason I'm drawn to trucks like this is because my duty cycle was, I wanted to be home every three or four days. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. This would have been I ideal I, I for, for the operation that I liked to have. You know, I, I liked more LTL kind of stuff, more multi-stop, getting into, you know, tighter places and that kind of thing and being home every couple of days. And, and this truck would be ideal for an operation like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we're going to start to see more of them with the, with the they get the Nicholas out on the road and the, the Teslas hey. are kind of a... Hey, that's a goofier a, version of that. that that's <laughs> a good point mm-hmm. that um, the, the Nikola specifically, because it is truly a cab over the Tesla's, you know, just weird. Uh, but two things on that. The, it looks like um, I completely got it wrong on the hydrogen thing. Almost every OEM, including Volvo, seems to be moving forward on hydrogen. Well, here's what they're they're doing. Obviously, it's a hydrogen power cell. And by the way, Volvo and Freightliner collaborate on that this fuel yeah. cell technology. That is a that is a joint collaboration yeah. there, and because they understand for the North American market that battery electric 
just straight, pure battery electric is going to be hard-pressed to run in colder climates and longer distances. And hydrogen electric, that's specifically what it does. It's good It's good in the cold. It, it can run long distance. And, it, here's, and um, here's the interesting it's thing, extremely, though. extremely, extremely expensive at this point. And probably heavy because mm-hmm. of all the extra components. And... Uh, we're still at a 30, very complex, yeah. 30 minute refuel time, which the, the Tesla battery, and I know Tesla claims a lot of things that we're getting best case. It's not going to happen when it's cold and all those other things. But Tesla claims they're at, a, mm-hmm. a, you could add 400 more miles to your range in a 30 minute charge. So you take off, they claim you have 500 mm-hmm. miles. You take your 30 minute break, you have 400 more. I mean, if that were truly the case and mm-hmm. we had chargers everywhere, it, we'd be ready. I mean, that's already more miles than a single driver could do in a day. I get it. There, It's not accurate and all that. But here's the thing. Yep. I was just reading a test on one of the hydrogen trucks, and I, it might have been the Nikola. It's only got a 400 and some mile range, and then you have to refuel hydrogen. And that's a 30-minute procedure. Mm-hmm. That's not very workable. That's, Kevin, who wants to give up? Joel, what's your, Kev- both of you two? And I know, Joel, you run small fuel tanks, I think, but what's your range before you have to refuel? So I, right. I've got a single 150 on here, and I've, I've burned a few gallons out of it, but I'm looking at my estimated range right now is 1,597 exactly. miles. Exactly. Would you be willing to give up yeah. a fifteen hundred mile range between fuel ups and have oh, to? Oh no, 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 I, I, <sighs> no, I couldn't way. do what I'm doing. No way, right? So I, I don't. Yeah. But everybody's yep. moving forward on hydrogen. So I, I obviously got that one wrong. Um, the other so thing, the, I'm, the hydrogen I'm, I'm wondering thing, about though, I think, I think. Oh, look, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Let's finish the hydrogen thing, then we'll move on to the next so, issue. Well, I, I, I think with Volvo's thinking it's another probably 10 or 12 years down the road before that's a viable thing to be putting out on the road. I, I don't think they have any plans. I might be wrong on this, but I don't believe they have any plans of putting that on the market anytime soon. They are definitely working on it, and they see potential in it, obviously, or they wouldn't be, but... Uh, I think when you get Volvo and Freightliner together working on something, there's a damn good chance yes. it's going to work out right. <laughs> that, that's why I think I, <laughs> yeah, it I, might, might just work. I got this one wrong. Um, I don't understand why it seems like a good idea, but they know a whole lot more about all the issues than I do. But it seems to me like if they're thinking this is a 10-year project anyway, what if somebody comes up with a really good solid state battery between now and then? That's all it would take to make electric all way better. The, all of the engineers that I've talked to that are in the know, they're all real confident that there is no disruptive battery technology okay. that, that they see in the next 10 years that's going to significantly change things. They will improve, but it's not going to change the game. Well, that's why I say if they're going forward and spending all this money, they know something I certainly don't. Um, So I got that one right. That's why I hate to make predictions because I hate being wrong. Here's the other one I'm wondering about. I've (laughs) talked about this. Um, I've talked to a lot of people with this, insurance people, fleets, all kinds of things. The cab over disappeared because of workers' comp, not anything else. Mm -hmm. It was workers' comp. Mm -hmm. Well, how are we bringing it back? What changed? 
Well, look at the door on the truck that you sent me. When you open it, that door opens all the way down below the front tire, and there are regular steps going up into that truck. Yeah, I get it. But so you're not hanging what? on. You're not hanging on monkey bars to get in and out. They're uh, very easy. In fact, I'll tell you, it's easier to get in than than my truck is. Well, maybe that's it then. Yeah. Maybe they, maybe these designs, they've really solved that issue. But, you know, watch a 400-pound driver try to get into one of these trucks, and it's ugly. Well, maybe not yeah, the other Remember the old maybe, cab yeah. or Freightliners with the remember Swing the out stirrups? steps, yes. The Argus. No, the stirrups that they used to have on the old, old, no, before oh, okay. the old, Got the old yeah. cab or You had to hit that little stirrup. Oh, right. Yeah. They didn't even have the steps. Remember them? Hey, hey. Uh, yeah, look, oh, yeah. Driver I, today, when I hear look, good old days, they would kill themselves with that. Well, just <laughs> just remember, I used to do 30 stops a day in a cab over. GMC cab over, by the way. Spring Ride Astro. Uh-huh. But, but, uh-huh. but I solved that problem of getting out. I had a, a method I where jump. I would open the door reach my left hand out and grab that rail right there by the door and jump. I, I did it jump. all yep. day yep. long, yep. all day long. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Now knees don't that. work, but. Well, I, I, I did it one day and landed on ice when I landed. That was not fun. <laughs> I, I was quite a year 30, but every Thursday back then I did 28 stops and yep. I used to swing it. That door and hit the ground. If that rail ever had it came off when I swung around it, I would have been flying. Now, let me tell you what a bad Monday (laughs) was in that operation. A bad Monday for me was knowing that I probably had 25 to 30 stops. I was in a cab over and I would show up and my trailer would be a 48 foot fixed tandem all the way to the back and swing doors. There you go. Swing doors. There you go. Perfect. So swing doors. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Right. Like my first year driving and I, you know, I'm getting into these crazy tight docks when you're doing LTL and you've got this 48 foot trailer. You can't slide the tandems. I pull into this dock and I know it's tough. You've got a, it's one of those where while you're trying to get into the dock, you are very close to all the cars in the parking lot. So you got to worry about wiping out Mm -hmm. cars You know, it's one thing to hit a building or a garage door to hit somebody's car in the parking lot is a disaster. So I'm worried about the cars. I'm new. Um, And of course, there's only one spot left on the dock and there's seven other drivers standing on the dock. So, all right, everybody's going to be staring at me while I do this. I am sweating bullets. So I pull in. (laughs) I am so focused on how exactly I'm going to do this and get in and it's tight. And I pull in. I nail it, man. I put this thing in, in one shot. I couldn't do it again. And if I tried and I jump out of my cab over, open the doors. Exactly. I jump out of my cab over all all seven drivers got a big, big smile on their face. And they're like, driver, that was an awesome job, but (laughs) your doors are closed. You made it open the door. Yep. And there, you can't pull straight yeah, out to, to open your doors. You got to pull back out to where you were before and then back in again. And of course, the second time, it took me four resets to get it in. <laughs> gotta love well, it. Then you yeah. were shook up, Kevin. When I did that, I was food service, swinging around fresh iced chicken. Oh, yeah. And I had a roll up door, fortunately. But I remember. The, 
one stop I went to, you had to back down two blocks with the mirrors folded <laughs> against the cab because there wasn't room for the mirror. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and on the roll-up door, I extended the string you know, or the loop on it because when you'd come out, you'd grab that and, and jump. you'd use the door to break your fall hitting the ground. Right, you'd jump. And as you hit the ground, you're stepping that latch over and never miss a step. <laughs> exactly. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. I, I have that procedure and, and down this pat. One I can att- this one I can attest to, though, Kevin. The one time I came out there and I grabbed that rope, and the rope didn't break, but it, the bolts on the anchor point had rusted. I lived up in Pennsylvania back oh, then. Oh, yeah. And apparently the calcium chloride had weakened them. You know when you're expecting something to be pulling back on you as you jump out of the back of a trailer and it doesn't? Yep. He landed on your back. The ground, the, the the ground comes up in a really big hurry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. All right, hey, we. Uh, oh, that's before I was a DOT inspector. <laughs> that's right. Go. We uh, we got to get to some calls. So I don't run out of time here. Grant, <laughs> welcome. Hello, I have a few comments on some previous shows. I'm about a month behind, so it might have been answered. Okay. Uh, the first one is about um, you're talking about intermodal ramp and you didn't know why it was called a ramp well originally you had to back the trailers onto the train cars with a ramp oh and so god oh that makes sense thank you instead of yeah instead of calling it a parking lot or whatever they terminal well it's already labeled ramp let's just let's just leave it yeah i I was just always used to a terminal that kind of thing and and i started working with intermodal csx and they kept calling these places ramps i'm like what the hell's a ramp what it's just there but now it makes sense yeah (laughs) it started from the circuses they stole the idea from the circuses because drive they drive their wagons on got it and so then when they started to lose freight to the trucks they're like well hey we can haul your trailer and it, the rest went from there. Interesting. Thank um, you. The other, you're welcome. Uh, then you were talking about cell phones and what happened to the service. Uh, it seems like the faster the speed gets, which uh, if you look on the frequency chart, the different speeds are different frequencies in megahertz or gigahertz, depending on how you want to. Gigahertz is just 1,000 megahertz. Um, it's it's kind of like the metric system. And so you can get faster speeds with higher megahertz, but it doesn't penetrate as far. It's like your microwave with those tiny little holes oh, in the, yeah. the, the, quote, okay. the quote clear door. It's not clear. It's just the holes are so small and so many of them, it appears clear. And so as these speeds get faster, the wavelengths get shorter and it's harder to penetrate. Um, and I, I, I figured that out originally with wireless microphones because I would help with wireless microphones and musicals. And uh, the moving water bags on stage, called humans, are really good at blocking wireless frequencies. So you have to put out multiple antennas and Got try it. not to get cancellation with the signals. Um, then let's see, there was uh, cell phones. I, this past weekend, I did get to drive the truck that I learned how to drive. I'm, I'm young. It was 2011 when I got my CDL. Uh, it turned out I didn't realize how much of a unicorn this truck was. It's a 2003 Fitzgerald glider with a 14-liter pre-emissions Detroit. And 
it was a lot of fun to learn on, and it was a lot of fun to drive now, but I have been used to newer trucks, and I forgot how loud that truck was inside the cab. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes. I bet. Yes. <laughs> it had all the horsepower. I could, I could go as fast as I wanted, but it got to the point where it was so loud, my wife and kids rode with me, and I couldn't talk to them, so I was like, well, we'll just slow down. It's not my fuel, but I, I want to be able to here yeah one of one of the one of one of the worst trucks i had for that issue was um the last ford i bought uh 95 i think i bought that um ford what was that model the kind of short wide hood aeromax the aeromax yeah about a ford aeromax yeah that was the loudest truck truck inside somebody wants it was awful wow and then and then I have one more thing, but I don't remember. So I'm going to leave you with uh, a lame joke that I meant to call last month. Uh, John talked about the meat and cheese stores in Italy. Did you hear about the new one that's opening Sunday in Jerusalem? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, go ahead. It's Cheeses of Nazareth. <laughs> Cheeses of Nazareth. <laughs> hey, there you it, go. It's an, it's an Easter, Easter joke, but I'm late. I, I keep seeing some, you know, I, I always talk about how I scroll headlines and I just don't have time to read every article. If, if I don't think it applies to the show I, and I don't have time, I'll just skip it. I keep seeing this weird headline about fruit roll-ups in Israel. What, what's the deal with that? Does anybody know? Does anybody, they're like, there's a, there's like a black market for fruit roll-ups in Israel. I think they're gross. Uh, it's hard to say. I guess I Probably should go. Do with having to be kosher, right? I, I don't know. I guess I should read the article because I keep seeing the headline. And I have no idea what they're talking about. It seems odd, but. Uh, no, anyway. don't read the headline. It's always best to comment on it before you read the article. I run into that <laughs> hey, all the time. Hey, 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 you know what? Um, what I just noticed this the other day because normally I will not retweet and we retweet an article if I haven't read it. But I did the other day. I had read the headline. I had already read the article someplace else, so I knew what was in it. When I saw it on Twitter, I'm like, "Oh, I don't have to post it. I can just retweet it." I went to retweet it, and I a message popped up, and it said, "Don't you think you should read this before you retweet it?" They actually warned me. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that knew wow. that I, I didn't that. read the article, and it warned me. Do you really want to retweet this without reading it? And I thought, well, I will now, but that's kind of a good warning. I hope more people pay attention to oh, it. I rem- there you go. <laughs> I, remembered my other, I remembered my other comment. Um, you were talking about how there was a data center wanting to come to your town server farm. However still, you still is, yeah. It. Yep. Um, in Kearney, Nebraska, they put in one. I called about the power consumption but it, a, a while ago. Uh, it is 100% passively cooled. They just have big fans in these... Uh, on the sides of these containers, they're just regular 40-foot shipping containers, so it's all modular, and uh, it so it doesn't use any water. So this this might be an option, uh, an alternative, if it'll affect the river, because that would not be good for all the wildlife. The, the problem with the fans and are the noise. The, the good part, though, uh, unless you're downwind of it, within a mile, you can't hear it. Yeah, the problem is, and, here, I, here, and that works in a lot of places, here are the dimensions of our town, and they can never get any bigger. We're in a national protected forest, 
so we can't grow one inch. Our town is two miles long and a half a mile wide. There's no place you can put this in town that isn't going to affect a lot of people with that noise. The good news is it looks like we're going to, and I'm not totally against this. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't going to be completely disruptive. I'm okay bringing something like that in if we can solve the problems. But what what it looks like now is that the guy and the company that's trying to do this has a horrible past. The guy's got lawsuits everywhere. And so I think we're going to be able to shut it down just because of that. Uh, We don't need to be dealing with. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't want him as a neighbor. Exactly. We don't need to be dealing with that kind of uh, crap. But um, here's something else that's weird about this that we keep running into. We, even though we're this tiny little town, we run our own electric company. And one of the reasons we do it is because we're a half a mile away from the Bonneville Dam and the dam generates a lot of power. And we buy the power from them and we run our own electric company here in this town. We have our own linesmen. We charge our own rates. It's, it's, and it actually works pretty good. Here's the weird thing. What they're telling us now is if the, if we put this data center in, that our electric consumption is going to go up so much that it's going to raise the rate. Well, wait a minute. Everything I buy in the world, the more I buy of it, the cheaper it gets. Why are you going to charge me more because I'm consuming more? That doesn't make any sense. Is Does it have to do with supply and demand and the, the dam can only make so much supply? And so then your demand is now accounting for more of that Supply? Could that possibly be it? They're, I'm not sure. They, they kind of claim something like that, but the dam is not at capacity, so I, I don't understand how they're using that as an excuse. I, something, I have a feeling it has more to do with this government green push to get away from electricity, that you know, generating like Probably. that. I, which I don't know why water seems dams and hydropower seems to be a really good option. It works well for us here. But there are oh, yeah, environmentalists the, the only, that would like real, to get rid of all the dams, too. I mean, the only real yeah. input, I suppose, would be gravity, where you have to let the water flow through a turbine. Oh, yeah, that's a good to point. create electricity. But it's not like a coal power plant where you got to get a shipment of coal in to make yeah, the energy. Exactly. All you got to do is right, hope right. gravity doesn't turn off. Yeah, and, and why why are you going to charge me more? Because I want to consume more. Every place else, the more I buy, the cheaper the price gets. I would claim it's all greed, but I don't know the details. I don't either. Um, Kevin, you, you, you talked about the hydroelectric dams and how they make sense. I'm waiting for somebody to do a study on how putting up these wind turbines is changing the global air currents. There are some theories that the offshore uh, wind generators are killing whales. Because all of a sudden, all yeah, kinds of that. dead whales are showing up on the East Coast beaches. Yep, yeah, I heard that. It, it's something, they there's speculation that the sound of it interferes with their navigation and, and uh, you know, it, it could affect their health. And, and it could be true, I, or maybe it's not, but we probably should be investigating that. Well, standing under yep. the wind turbines here in Nebraska, you can definitely hear them. Swooshing by. Yeah, absolutely. Global air. Well, that's, that's all. You got to go with change so that you're well, always right. Well, does anybody oh, does anybody know what chaos theory is? I've heard of this. Yeah, the first time it came up was in Jurassic Park. 
After that, it became pretty common. And so the idea behind chaos theory is that the world, everything about our planet is so interconnected that if a butterfly flaps its wings in Japan, it can change the mm-hmm. weather in North America. Yeah, I've heard it is the butterfly. Wasn't that, a, wasn't that a movie with Ashton Kutcher? Uh, it may have been, but I think it was also brought up in the original Jurassic Park. And the space-time continuum with Back to the Future. Yeah, and then Jurassic Park was actually written by Michael Crichton, so I had read the book long before the movie came out, and so I had found you know that chaos theory probably three decades ago. But it, it's just this idea that minor changes in our world have big impacts, and we just, it's so complicated, we can't even understand it. Which is I'll also, let you guys carry on. That's all I have. Yeah, which is also why I, I am not a climate denier. The climate is changing. Of course it is. It's going to continue to change. Humans do affect it. How could they not? I agree with all of those things. What I disagree on is doing stupid stuff that we think is going to fix things on an issue we don't understand. All right. Oh, oh boy. My system seems to be locked up. Is anybody hearing me? I can hear you, Kevin. Okay, good. Uh, I I can't get to my phone system. I just tried to drop Grant's call and my whole phone system crashed. Uh, What's going on? Kevin, I just had to put fuel in my truck and I just had an epiphany. You know how people get upset about people taking break on the fuel islands? Yeah. If we go to electric vehicles, that's going to become the norm. You will be taking your break at your... You know the difference? You're right, you will be. But you know the difference? It's very, very possible that we'll have electric charging at every parking spot. Or at least not everyone, that that wouldn't be practical. But you might have a whole section of, say, 10 or 15 or 20, depending on the size of the truck stop, that they will be parking spaces that are also charging stations. And it might be something you plug into. Yeah. It might be inductive charging with no connection, wireless charging. There's, yep. a, there's a technology being worked on right now that gives you micro charges from the road when you stop at intersections. I don't know how practical that is, but those are all the, you know, the kind of things that are being explored. And we have to remember, we have a hundred plus years of experience with internal combustion engines and they still have all kinds of issues. We have like zero experience with electric. This is so new. What, what I always get a kick out of that with is that Henry Ford's wife, Martha, didn't drive a Ford. She drove an electric car. Oh, really? Yeah. I always find that interesting. And the way I understand it, there was some conversation between Edison and Ford, which were buddies, that there was talk of at one point, but the infrastructure wasn't there for either of the Model T being an electric vehicle, which would have been interesting had you had the same 100, 130 years right. put on the electric motor right. as did the internal combustion engine. And the other part of this electric part is the electric motor predates the internal combustion engine by over 20 years. Right. Hey, something, that, something to consider when you're thinking about this. So 
I think maybe I've mentioned this in the past. My dad used to manage a factory, and they had broken out forklifts at this factory. I don't know, 30 or 40 of them. And in the late forklifts really became popular. Um, it was Baker Lift Company came in and said, you know, we're going to convert you all to electric. It's wonderful, and you'll never want to touch a propane lift again. And they done it, and it was a complete pain in the ass. Um, had problems with chargers, had problems with batteries, contacts, electric motors that didn't hold up the way they said they were going to. And over the years, they had electric. They brought some propane-powered lifts back in for specific duty cycles within the factory that, you know, they were into water more often or were outside more often. And today it's about a 50-50 split yeah. between electric yeah. and, and propane. That- and I think we're going to see the exact same thing happen out in the real world here with trucks. It's You're right. Not going to go to. All- You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. That that is how mandates it, it, it and and pushes it. Yep. Yep. That's how it'll work. Where electric really fits and makes sense, it will start to grow, and there will be a lot of places electric is not going to make much penetration at all for a long time. I think. Right. One of the interesting things I heard talking to somebody at McAfee, the last person they see converting to electric trucks is the power companies. And the reason being because they need to be able to run when the power's off to fix it. Sure. That makes sense. I guess. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. that, That, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, I thought that was interesting in itself. Let's get to some calls. I got to watch my time here. Um, I wanna, we've got two calls. I want to get to them. I'm not going to take any new calls because I got to get this closed out before 10 my time. So let's go to Utah. Dylan, welcome to the program. Yeah. Uh, first thing, I think you'll look good in that DAF truck because it has an MX. 13 the engine. <laughs> See, that was the thing. I, I don't, I know that, you know, all the different partnerships over there and different engines, it's kind of like here, but I don't follow it enough to know what's available and what. So, um, yeah, that would put a big kibosh on that one. If that's all I can get in there is a pack car, it's a no go. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a pack car company. Yeah, I thought so, but I wasn't so. sure. And I didn't know if they were offering any other engines or not, but that, that would be an absolute no go for me. Yeah. So a quick history uh, before I get into the global hey, stuff. Hey, is I've got hey, a, hey, Dylan, what about this? Maybe yeah. I could maybe I yeah. could get him to sell it to me as a glider and I could put a Series 60 in it. <laughs> yeah, go. I'll go for that. <laughs> then I'd be happy. <laughs> well, let me tell you a quick history because I've been listening to you for five years and where I am now on truck. So... I started with the company 26 years ago, and they bought me a 389 Peterbilt six years ago. Happy as could be, and I've converted all the way to a Volvo now, almost. I'm buying one. So I want Joel's expertise. I've already got the um, the specs sent to me. We're going over them. Uh, what do I need to know? To have them do so I you know on programming all that it's the iTorque setup if it's iTorque the iTorque is the programming that is the package okay. so it should all be there and it should be correct 
They've worked very, very hard to make sure that the iTorque package came out with the correct parameters for the North American duty cycle, and we don't have any European holdover parameters or goofy Asian parameters that don't belong. That's excellent. So you should be complete, completely set if it is an iTorque spec. It's an iTorque. It's uh, 215 rears. It's uh, the whole yep. thing. I've been working with the, the dealer. He, he met you up here, uh, David, in Salt Lake. Sure, sure. And, gotcha. and uh, so we, it has the data spicer drive line, but it has the Meritor uh Right, right. Axle. Yes, the Dana, the Dana axle, the two one six isn't in production yet. So correct, you're going to have the Meritor axle two point one five, and then it's the it's the drive shaft that's really the important part because they, okay. the Meritors tend to vibrate. So the axle's not a really a deal breaker to me. I do prefer the Dana just because it's a little bit more efficient in the real world when they make their assumptions on their efficiency calculations. They're right on top of each other. Uh, out in the real world over the years, we've always seen a little bump towards the Dana side, and it continues to hold true to this day. So, But it's not enough that it would be uh, – it shouldn't change the deal for sure. So, Okay. And then the suspension, this is the 6x4. I can't get the boss mm-hmm. quite to go to – 8,000 is what the difference is for the lift axle, and he's not quite ready to – Adventure gotcha. off that, but I have got him all the way from a 389 to, to this, and so I'm kind of going out there on a limb. We have 23 trucks. I'm kind of going out there on limbs, and I'm selling this product that he's going to be happy. He's going to save money, uh, and I'm coming out of a 579 with the MX, uh, so I was mm-hmm. getting eight miles a gallon, mm-hmm. and so I think this is a good setup. Is there anything that I need to know in... You like want to make sure that I need to have them set it. There should be no parameters. You want to make sure that they have included the kick down pedal in the spec. That is an option. Okay. And you'll definitely want a kick down pedal. Um, but it should come through. Spec. Okay. It should have a performance shifter on it already. All the parameters on it should be spot on. Uh, it should be it should be one that is truly good to go right out of the factory without having to screw around with it. That's good. Yeah, we also did uh, make sure it was tucked up behind the sleeper, uh, all those things. And they're excited to to get some more iTorts out there. Their customers aren't really buying them yet, but we're going to do it and probably have an August build. So I wanted to talk to the expert. Good, 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 good. No, I think you'll be very pleased with it. Yeah, and then one real quick thing is you're talking about pack car. The last truck I had is... It has, it's a 2022 with the new EPA MX at 130,000. The whole motor had to be replaced. So that was 60,000, even though it was under warranty. Once I got that engine at 10,000 miles, all the injectors had to be replaced on the new engine. And then all the whole wiring harnesses had to be changed. And then it got wrecked. So now it's down. Jeez. <laughs> oh, that wow. truck is just cursed. Burn that thing to the ground. We call it cursed. We, yeah. We did. Yeah, just... We're, that's, we're about done with it, but yeah, uh, just, it, it's been a bad, bad truck, and then someone hit us on ice head-on, so now we're in the old insurance, but it's up to 80000 and just get the front end, but we can't get no parts. Yeah, just just burn that thing to the ground. My gosh. Uh, that's or, or, or name it Christine, I think. I, I don't know. Um, there you go. A couple things real quick. We have one more call we're going to take, but I... Um, 
I, there was a couple things I wanted to talk about. Um, here's one, uh, because I've been so excited about Twitter. There's a new controversy today, and I'm a little concerned about it. I'm not sure what Elon was thinking. Um, he just hired a CEO. He's been running it himself, and he just hired a CEO. He's going to stay very, very active in the day-to-day, the design, the algorithms. He's claiming he hired the CEO for business and marketing. The woman he hired is a total nut job. She's part of the World Economic Uh-oh. Forum. She's a <laughs> she's an executive at NBC, but she's also part of the World Economic Forum, and she sounds like a total nut job. I'm I'm the whole the Twitter is just exploding all of a sudden with what the hell is he doing? So we're gonna have to wait and see, man. If he screws this up. I'm going to be pissed. So we'll see. I don't know. It seems like a a very, very odd choice. Um, The other thing was, I I just wanted to mention this because I, um, again, it's part of the Twitter thing. I did a space. And one of the things that's happening is people that didn't find us when we left Sirius. And I mean, we're pretty easy to find if somebody would have put a little effort into it. You, you, you would have found me, but I get it. You know, you listen to a show, maybe you're not a daily listener and one week you tune in and it's not there and you think, oh, well, it's gone and you don't go look. So I had mm-hmm. a caller who was in both spaces and he, I wonder if he's going to get the app and actually start listening now. TJ, if he's listening, hey, TJ, um, love this story. Um, TJ came to the CMC back in 2014 and he had 10 trucks at the time. And he had an operation that I just loved. I sat down and talked to him about it. He was a um, wine consolidator in Southern California. So he consolidates shipments of wine and spirits and um, alcohol and then does LTL routes to deliver them, usually like in between California and Texas back and forth. Really awesome operation. Um, all of his own freight direct, he was doing all of it. And he was a sharp guy. And I, I, I actually wondered why he was at the CMC. Uh, look, you, you have had a hell of a business here. You clearly know what you're doing. But he said, I, you know, I tuned in one week and you weren't there and, you know, I'm busy. And he said, I, I just hadn't thought about it. And he said, all of a sudden, I see you're here on Twitter. And he jumped into this space. He now has 75 trucks and all of his own reefers. Oh, wow. Yeah. What an awesome story. Then he was telling me, yeah, then he was telling me about a guy he sat next to in the first CMC. And I remember the guy, Luis, he was from Peru and he was coming to this country legally and he wanted to start a trucking company. At the time he had a truck, one truck, he was driving it himself. He ended up leasing on to TJ at the time. So, and then he went and bought another truck and then TJ said he got his own authority and went out on his own. This was 2014, 2015. TJ said he just sold his trucking company in January for seven figures. Nice. Isn't that awesome? That is cool. I that love, is really, yeah, really I love cool. that. I love that. All right, let's, uh, let's grab another call. The final call. Harold, you get the last word today. What's on your mind? <laughs> I just love your LTL humor. Not, not, uh, most of the people out here would ever appreciate that, but... I love it. That's I, a, I went, that's a uh, whole different my, world. Go ahead. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. The small percentage of 
those of us that are out here, but I witnessed my uh, second fueling of uh, hydrogen there in Ontario on Monday or Tuesday rather. And it, they had three look like college graduate type guys around with their little sniffing machines <laughs> <laughs> while they were fueling the, the truck. It was a night truck. Uh, and it had a, I think it had a Cummins system in it, but it also had a fuel cell, a hydrogen fuel cell, they said. So I don't know where they're going to run it. I saw a Nikola truck there probably a year and a half ago fueling. And then I've only seen one of them going down the highway since. Uh, other, otherwise, they're always on low boys. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen one exactly. working yet. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but I, I went in there and got my fuel. You know, they had been there for a while, and they were sniff. you know, had their little sniffer machines there, and the, there was a girl driving it. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long it took them to do it, but the estimate of time you just said is probably correct. Yeah, they're, they're claiming, <laughs> but, it, um, even in perfect conditions with knowing how to do this and having a good system, it's a 30-minute fueling process. I wouldn't doubt it. I was there probably 15 minutes or, or, and they were there before I got there and still there when I left. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you Kevin, know the, whenever we get on this conversation, I always think of what the horse and buggy crowd must have said about the first internal combustion. I, I get it. I know. <laughs> I, but, but I, I, I just, I look at these hydrogen trucks and the other thing that worries me is how complicated they must be. And, even if they're not really complicated, it's a setup that none of us understand. I can't walk up to one of these trucks and know yeah, what's going on with half that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it looks very complicated. It, the it, whole thing just looked it so does. complicated. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, here's something else that I've been noticing. You know, just a year or two ago, if you walked into most, I'm talking about cars now, if you walked into most OEM dealerships, you could not buy an electric car from them, right? There weren't that many electric cars available a year or two ago, a couple here and there. All of a sudden, not, not only do these OEMs have one or two, I'm, I'm watching two commercials every day. BMW has a full line of five brand new all electric vehicles and so does Mercedes. How did they develop all these cars wow. so fast? And what kind of problems are we going to have with these things? Yeah. Hopefully they studied Tesla, but they'll so. never catch up. <laughs> have you ever watched uh, Sandy, Sandy Malone do the research on the cars? He's been a, a car researcher forever and he, he tears them apart. He's got a business up there in Detroit and he's been doing this for years for uh, internal combustion engines and cars in general. I think he started with Ford, but it's interesting. You guys would love it if you look at Sandy Malone, I believe is his name. Yeah, I'll check that he out. He takes them apart I have, in his shop completely. Yeah. I've seen some YouTube stuff on that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Interesting pretty stuff. Good. I mean, gearheads, gearheads uh, like us would just uh, love what he sees because he's a full-time gearhead. <laughs> right. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, good stuff. Hey guys, I got I got to duck out here. I'm at my next customer, so I got to roll. All right, we're ending this. Appreciate anyway. you guys. Thanks, Take care. Joel. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> yeah. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, Harold. Anything else? No, that's it. Just working my way across across uh, Texas here today, heading towards Paul's country today. There so. you go. All right. Safe travels. Talk to you guys. All right, Henry. Anything you want to close with? We're going to wrap this up. 
just other than wish me luck, I'm trying to milk out my first 10 plus mile of the gallon trip with 43,000 in the box. Nice. All right. We'll wish you well. All right. That is going to do it. We're going to wrap this up for today. Uh, We will see you back here next week. Don't forget, come on over and join me on Twitter. I'll keep an eye on the CEO thing. It's got me a little worried. Um, We've got a lot of hopes on Twitter right now. Uh, So we'll see. But come on over and join me anyway. We are going to be doing two Twitter spaces every week. Um, I believe we're after we complete the spaces, we are going to take those recordings and put them on the app. So you don't have to join Twitter. You will still be able to listen to these, but I would love it if you would come over to Twitter and join us on the space. The bigger the numbers we get in the space, the better everything is. So, uh, come on over and join me. If you don't have a Twitter account, go make one. It only takes 30 seconds. Uh, every Wednesday, Uh, Right now, I'm going to say it's going to be a noon thing. That may change. But right now, it's going to be noon. Wednesdays will be a health day, and Thursdays will be all trucking in the Twitter spaces. Come on over and join me. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.